Welcome back to all our listeners. This is your host, Mahal. And today, we have another special guest. She is a writer and she will give us another wonderful testimony and share with us what salvation means to her life. And I'm talking to none other than Mrs. Tess Scott. Hi, how are you today? Hi, Mahal. Thanks for having me on today. Thanks for being part of our show. And before we start, can you say a little bit something about yourself? Oh, sure. So my name is Tess Scott. I'm a mom of eight boys. I'm a Grammy with nine adorable grandchildren. And I'm a writer. Uh, now an author just um just wrote my first book which is um coming out in june uh, i live in ontario canada you can probably tell by the way i say some of my words and um i'm just really thankful to be able to share my life to encourage women god has me on mission to uh to, just to encourage women everywhere that sounds great can you tell us what is the book that you are going to be releasing that's going to be next month right uh Couple of months from now, basically. Yeah. So I know, right? Time goes fast. Um, so the book is out right now, ebook, um, and the paperback version is going to launch on June 14th of 2022. It's called Listen, Sister, Finding Hope in the Freak Show of Life. So it's a collection of short stories, like short enough that you can read one in the bathroom while your kids are banging on the door and you're just trying to get a moment away. And they're all about life, um, my life, all true, mostly embarrassing things that happen to all of us as women and um, kind of the lesson I learned from it, what God did through it and a verse at the bottom, some truth. Um, and there's quite a few stories and it's funny and, but it's true. And I hope it's encouraging to women everywhere. And some men have read it, even though it says, hey, sister a lot and things like that, girlfriend, you know, but um, but it's true. And, and God's word is true for, for all of us. That's great. My first question is, when did you first encounter Jesus? Um, I was, my grandparents took us to church. So my grandpa was a guy who started a Baptist church in our small little town. And he drove around picking up all the kids whose parents didn't go to church. And he drove us to Sunday school. And there I heard about Jesus. And I'm so thankful. And I'm thankful for my grandparents who I know now prayed for us, you know, me and my three brothers. And that's where I learned about Jesus and his love. That sounds great. So what made you, when when did you decide to be saved and what made you make that decision to accept Christ as your Savior? I remember, I believe I was about seven and I remember asking Jesus to come into my heart, which is a really weird thing that we used to say. Um, I don't know if people still say that, but I knew that I needed Jesus. I knew from Sunday school that, you know, I needed to be saved. I needed Jesus. And I remember making that decision. I don't remember if it made a difference in my life when I was a little girl because I didn't really understand it fully. I still think it's good. I still think it's good for um, kids to to know that and do that and start on that kind of that journey. It's all like... Um, I don't know. We, we learn and, and God opens our eyes a little bit at a time, especially when we're kids. We don't really understand. I don't think the full concept of it, um, but we grow and we learn. And I remember later on, like years later, kind of one day I remember having the actual thought that, oh my goodness, if I wasn't, I could actually have gone to hell. Like 
because I think I always felt like I had sort of that safety net because of, of that little prayer I said as a little girl, but I didn't have the concept yet of what could have happened until I was older. Another question that I have for you is, how do you think it changes your life? What do you think is the difference before you were saved and after you were saved in your life? Well, I think once I was older and understood it more and really committed my life to the Lord, then like, I, I can't even imagine living my life without him. You know, I, I definitely, um, although I was a Christian made bad choices. So my life is a whole like years of walking away from God, you know, and, and he didn't throw me away. I, I walked away and he beckoned me back, you know, and it was like away and back and away and back and bad choices and the consequence of those choices. Like I've been married four times, four, and just made decisions that were just terrible and the consequences that affected lots of people, not just me. But when I turned around and came back to the Lord and he, like a prodigal daughter, you know, he welcomed me back. And God says that when we repent, and he forgives us from our sin, he chooses to forget that sin. And I'm so thankful for that. I don't always forget it, right? I remember it. And sometimes I bring it up. And then I think, why am I bringing this up? Like God has chosen to forget my sin. It's forgiven. My past is gone, but the enemy brings it to my mind, you know, and um, it can be, it can kind of trip me up in what I'm doing, but God doesn't remember it, right? He says, when you're forgiven, you're forgiven. And your sin is as far away as the East is from the West and you're a new creation. So I have to keep going over and over in my mind who decides what my identity is? Who decides who Tess is? Who decides who Mahal is, right? Our creator who made us gets to decide who we are. And what does he say? He says, we're chosen, we're loved, we're adopted, we're redeemed, we're free, we're a new creation, all those things. That sounds really good. And I just have a little follow-up question on what you said. Mm -hmm. And you said sometimes, you know, when we're Christians, sometimes the enemy might try to trick us or might try to whisper something to us or might try to trip us to making the wrong decision. What do you do in order not to listen to it for our audience right now? What advice should you give them so that they won't listen to that bad things or if they're not a Christian yet, what should they do so that they wouldn't be tricked by the enemy? That's a very good question. The only way that we know whether what we're thinking is, you know, is it true or is it a lie? That's basically, that's the question, right? Is it true or is it a lie? So I can't tell if it's true unless I know what is true to, to compare it to. And how do I know what is true? The only thing, the only thing that we know that is true is God's word. Agreed? Like, I think, do you think that in 2022, it's even harder to know what is true? Yeah, I think so. So, but I know God's word is true and I know that it is never changing, right? It's always the same. It never changes. God never changes. His word never changes. So I need to see what is true. I need to be in the word. I need to be reading my Bible. I need to be absorbing that truth so I can compare the things I think with what I know is true. So one of the things that I always recommend that women do is write out, like, especially if you're struggling with a certain thing, write out a verse um, that is that is from God's word that I know is true and put it somewhere where I see it 
constantly. So either like above your kitchen sink or on your bathroom mirror or by your dryer where you're folding your clothes or wherever that is so that you're reading it over and over and just absorbing God's truth into your brain. I agree with you. I do exactly the same thing you do. I would like see something that I like and I will print it out. I'll post it all over the wall in my house. That way I get to read it and I would like see it's written in there and stuff like that. And we talked a little bit about your book earlier. And my question is what made you write that book and what And writing that book is you are sharing Jesus to people on your own stories in your own life. So why do you think that you, it's important to share the salvation to others? So first, why you write the book and why do you think it's important for people to read and know more about Jesus? Yeah, well, when I felt really strongly that God wanted me to share my story and like my story being the story of my life um, to encourage women and to point them to truth and to Jesus, which is your only hope. Um, I didn't want to just so you know, it wasn't me thinking, yay, I get to do this. It was more like Tess saying like, I don't want to do this. And this is why, because, because partly like it's embarrassing. And I felt some shame for my past and, and mistakes and stuff. And that's the enemy again. And I didn't have, I thought, I'm not the person to do this. Like, I'm not educated. I don't, you know, I'm not a journalist. I'm not an, a writer. I wasn't a writer. And I thought, I'm not the person to do this. Um, so I thought of a lot of other people. And I told God, like, maybe you could do these, you know, use these other people. Because I like to tell the creator of the universe what to do. And uh, he doesn't, he doesn't, he does what he wants, not what Tess wants. So finally, I did listen and and uh, did start writing. Um, and I think it is important. I feel like my story is important and God wants me to share my story because I want other women to know that all of our lives are imperfect, right? So specifically, my story says to women, um, my life is a freak show. I know that your life is also not perfect. And when I was young, like a long, 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 long time ago, um, I I visited with my friends. I had a few good friends and I visited them in person at their house. And I saw that their life was also chaos because they had small kids running around. Or I called them on my rotary dial phone and I would hear their kids screaming in the background. And I knew, you know what, their life is not perfect. But now I see young women who mostly communicate with their friends via social media. So if you are meeting friends and you think that their life is that beautiful picture of the nice house with the pumpkins out front and the wreath on the door, that's not real. And if you open that door and walk into their living room unexpected, there's laundry on her couch just like yours. That's all I'm saying. Like that is real life. And I want women to know like all of our lives are imperfect. They're all chaos. They're at different days. Like maybe not all the time. Some of us have some calm days sometimes when our kids are growing up maybe. But, you know, we're not all getting a full night's sleep. We're not, you know, life is chaos, but there's hope in that. And that's what I wanted. That's what I want to encourage women of. That sounds great. And one last question. For somebody that are listening right now that are not saved yet, what advice should you give them? Why Why do they need to be saved like we do? Why is it important that they accept Christ as their personal Savior? Well, accepting Christ is your only hope in life. Like, who wants to take 
all of your sin, all of your past, all of your mistakes, all of the bad decisions that you've ever made in your life, all the times that that you either did the wrong thing or didn't do the right thing. And he wants to take all that. He's already died on the cross to pay the price for that sin because somebody's going to pay the price for that sin. Either you're going to pay for it when you die or Jesus already paid it and he wants to have that relationship with you. So when you turn from your sin, give it to Jesus, he paid for it, then you will spend eternity with him, right? And and it's not just about that. It's not just about eternity, but like what an amazing thing that is. What an amazing gift that is that God paid for my sin. Even if I was the only person in the world, God paid for that sin so that I can live free. I, you know, I'm not going to pay for that sin. I'm not going to go to hell when I die. I'm, And also now in this life, I can live with the greatest relationship of all time. You know, like God is right beside me every minute of every day. And he gives me that peace and hope to work through things. Is life perfect? No, it's not perfect by my standards. And it's not um, calm. And it's not, you know, there's always this freak show of chaos happening because we're in this imperfect world, but we're not always going to be here, you know? And even when I am here, God gives me hope and he, he, he gives me amazing opportunities and he gives me peace through it all. Thank you so much. I had such a wonderful time talking to you. And before we end, can you also mention again to the people listening the title of your book? Because we mentioned it's going to be released in June, but it's we got it in ebook. Can you tell them again the name of the book so that they could get it when it gets released as well? And I'll also post it in, in our website here. So oh, thanks, Mahal. Yeah, it's called Listen Sister. Finding Hope in the Freak Show of Life by Tess Scott. It's available everywhere that books are sold. Thank you so much. And we we appreciate having you here. And I hope you have a nice day. Thanks, Mahal. Thanks for having me on. One day when heaven was filled with his praises One day when sin was as black as could be Jesus came forth to be born of a virgin, dwelt among men, my example is he. The word became flesh, and the light shined among us, his glory revealed. Living he loved me, dying he saved me, and buried he killed me. My sins far away, rising he justified, freely forever. One day he's coming, oh glorious day, oh glorious day. One day they led him up Calvary's mouth. One day they nailed him, died on a tree. Suffering anguish, despised and rejected. Bearing our sins, my Redeemer is he. Hands that heal nations, stretched out on a tree. And took the nails for me, living he loved. Dying, he saved 
me And buried he carried my sins far away Rising he justified freely forever One day he's coming on glorious day Day. 